got us kicked out? Yes. No. You did? No. Why you are you did. saying this? We went to get... I went to get... As a member of the media, you get a gift. Yeah. Which is a towel. Yeah, and so, I'm a member of the media. It's a beach towel, not according to your pass. So we go to the accreditation office to collect our gift. And the lady looks at my pass and she says, Oh, Shishi, lovely. Sign here, signed here. Handed me over lovely towel and a little bag and wonderful you step up and she looks at your badge and she says no that's the cheap no (laughs) that's because i'm on an lta badge and you said what do you mean no i'm part of the media you you did the you almost did the do you know who i am very close to no you very no (laughs) you very nearly said do you know who i am i've never ever done you wafted your badge at her well, no, no, and that said, was just showing I'm part her. of the media. That was just showing her who I am. That wasn't saying, do you know then who I am? Then she had to make a phone call. Then she had to speak to someone. Then yep. there was like a whispered conversation. Yes. As I was gradually backing out of the accreditation office with my towel. And what happened? Didn't what happened want to be associated with you in this problem that was building. And how did it resolve itself? She gave you a towel. Exactly. She said, absolutely, Naomi, you're here working for the BBC. Of course you can have a towel. No, she that did not use those media. words. She sort of looked at you, <laughs> got a piece of paper, said she had to add you to a list. You weren't even on the list. You had to one of those extras added on the list. Yeah. And but you got I, your towel. But, it, but it's right. It's for, me, for people who work in the media. I'm here working in the media. I just have a number of different things on my badge, you know. That's just the way that it is. I'm, I'm here with lots of different responsibilities and roles. How have things been going in your smart areas that you still haven't invited me into? As you you may notice today, I've I've not been in a smart area. No, I didn't think today was a smart area day. (laughs) Not a smart area day. It's been lovely. It's been great. Yeah, there's some some great areas. Check them out sometime. We have had people on... uh, (laughs) I'm not allowed in. We've had people on Twitter asking about my mug that you so kindly gave me. How is it? for our birthday it's good it didn't I was actually not that I thought not that I thought you'd buy me a cheap mug but I I went home and I used it and then I put it in the dishwasher and I was worried it would break it's not cheap it's quite weighty no I know but I was worried it not that I thought you'd buy me a cheap mug but I was worried that when it came out it would break and it didn't I mean how expensive is an expensive mug can't be that expensive Uh, well no but uh, can you even get a cheap mug? I did, but it didn't. It came out in one piece, and I thought the colour might have gone. I thought maybe you stenciled it yourself. Oh, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's it looks as it did when I put it in. I don't know whether it's for dishwashers or not. Did you find your mug from your street? No, not yet. <laughs> Still, someone in the street. Well, because I'm getting home at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. I can't kind of call round on number forty to, to say hi. <laughs> have you got? Have you got my mug? And uh, and I'm up kind of pretty early I just feel like it's a bit uncivilised really so I'll have to go around another time so we are sitting here on ladies quarterfinals day Mm. thoughts on ladies quarterfinals day it's been great it's been some really great matches actually very enjoyable only one went to three sets which was kind of surprising and I thought at the beginning of the day we'd get two non-seeds through and two seeds through. Yeah. And we ended up with three seeds and one non-seed. Because it was four seeds against four non-seeded players. So I thought, well, you know, it's all kind of 50-50, isn't it? So we'll go with two of each. Uh, but we went three and one. But, um, yeah, slightly disappointing for Joe with her match against Stritzova. It's a really what, what went on there? What, what? How did... I don't know. You were commentating on it. I was on the other court. <laughs> Why are you asking me? You're the expert. <laughs> I defer to you. It was... It was just a little bit confusing because, of course, Stritz was a little bit nervous. This is a big moment for her. I mean, it's her second Wimbledon quarterfinal, but her first since, what, 2014? 
on centre court, first time on centre court this tournament. And Johanna Conte got the early break and you thought, you know, 4-1, this could be quite straightforward. She then lost it on the tie break. But it was when Stritzva started doing a bit of a Stritzva, mixing it up, doing some bits and pieces. It wasn't straightforward. It wasn't the ball that Johanna Conte wanted or expected. And it kind of felt like Conte didn't know what to do. She she was almost surprised about what she was getting from Stritzva. Yeah, I mean, Stritzva scrambled her game and spr- scrambled her brain pretty much, didn't she? And that was, I suppose, the bit that, was slightly confusing was that it was kind of that look of shock from Contra of oh, how is she doing this and we were all kind of sitting there thinking yep nope that was kind of what you signed up for by walking out onto court again so this is what Stritzova does um, and I'm sure look, of course Contra was prepared for it but she just for some reason today couldn't cope with it she couldn't deal with it she couldn't adapt to it um, lost that really really tight first set and then it just kind of fell away from her really and it's um, it's been really interesting actually watching her here and watching her in Paris as well because she looks completely unflappable for for so many rounds and then suddenly a little bit comes out a little bit of those anxieties that we know are repressed we know she's had anxieties to deal with all the way through her career and as soon as a little bit comes out just sometimes just the gates open and it just floods out of her and I think that's what we saw a bit today we saw it against Von Drusseva in in the French Open semi-finals and I think we saw that today and just the nerves she was constantly ranting to her team she looked quite negative she looked very very anxious and nervous and look you can understand Stand. She's in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Of course, you can understand, but it, it it kind of catches me by surprise. I think when it happens because she just looks so in control of it. Maybe there was a little glimpse against Stevens where she was a little bit wobbly in that first set, but on the whole, you just kind of look at her. And we were thinking going into this match, she has been extraordinarily solid, extraordinarily solid through this tournament. And we were thinking, well, Stritzva can definitely put pressure on. She can definitely chop her up and with the slice and she can definitely scramble her, but surely Conta's just going to respond and, and she's going to have a little bit too much for her. And it, it's amazing to see. It's almost like watching a totally different player to the one that we saw beat Kvitova in the round before. I don't know. What do you, I mean, and if that's, you saw it. What do you think? Well, if, that's, if this is a purely mental issue in terms of she's got the game and she can play the game, if it's a head-scrambling, brain-scrambling situation, how... How is our coach or how is Johanna Conte, do you do She does see a mental coach like a, a lot of the players do. And maybe they've always done, but it's almost in the last few years, it's something that's more talked about and sort of openly. I see someone, they help me deal with X, Y situations. How does she, how does she resolve that now? Is she, will she be one of those players that cannot get past a certain stage or a certain block or by talking to someone? How do you deal with the fallout of this Annabelle Croft who I was alongside in the compu box said she feels that this is going to hurt a lot more than that semi-final at the French when she was up in in both the sets she thinks this could be quite damaging to Hannah Conte. Yeah, there's a big difference between Stritzva being 33 years old and as much as Stritzva played well, it's not like she's playing the tennis of her life, whereas Yvonne Drusseva was playing the tennis of her life and is young and is up and coming and incredibly dangerous and completely carefree. So it's a very different situation, I think, between those two. So maybe more emotions. But in terms of dealing with it, You've got to practice. It's like anything. To get good at something, you've got to practice. But how do you practice being in those situations? So, you, okay, so my forehand's a bit dodgy, so I'm just going to hit ball after ball after ball. Drop shots, not very good at those. Oh, let's just do millions. How do you practice being in the quarterfinals, semifinals of a major and mentally getting scrambled? You keep getting to the quarterfinals or semifinals of a major. 
that's what it comes down to. She's been in three semi-finals, and she has been in. Well, this was a quarter-final as well. So that is, you know, four huge opportunities, and the semi-final, the anxieties took hold. In French Open, the quarterfinal here, the anxieties took hold. She's just got to keep putting herself in those opportunities. It's the only way to practice it. Somebody like Serena, quarterfinals are a breeze by now. She's been so many of them, it's ridiculous. You just get better and better and better. And really, the only way to make that breakthrough is to keep putting yourself in those situations. It doesn't matter how. She could play terribly, scramble her way over the line. She's just got to get there somehow. And look, she's done incredibly well to rebound from um, a very damaging 18 months that she had. Really was struggling she's rebuilt in such an impressive way absolutely loved watching her do it um i kind of thought that the big fear that was the big i guessed look i'm you know just giving an opinion here but like i guess that the big fear uh, that uh, she that really drives all of her anxiety was the fact that she might fall all the way down which she kind of did she was outside 50 that that was where she fell down to so that was quite a fall from four to around 50 in a year Um, so she really did struggle so I thought that after doing that and then rebuilding that the fear might be gone a bit because she's already done that the worst has happened in that she just really struggled to win a match couldn't play well again she was almost having panic attacks on the court in Asia a couple of years ago and that was just a few months after reaching the semi-finals of Wimbledon so yeah the fact that she'd been through that and come out the other side so strongly made me feel like it, it it's not going to happen again and I still don't think it will happen again but as I say it's kind of surprising the anxieties keep creeping up especially when she looks so unflappable at other times and she's just keeping a lid on it and as I say just when the pressure builds round on round on round and we know that that pressure as you know the the draw gets halved every single time half and half and half and when your name is moving through and everybody else is getting knocked out Kvitova Stevens she took those ones out Barty lost in the last round you start going oh okay right here we go um you know that pressure you know it's just it's like a pressure cooker isn't it and once it goes it just it just goes for her and do you feel when in press conferences she doesn't tend to give a lot away and fairly straight bats everything back and say she's not really affected by the pressure etc but as a british player they are followed around the world by a healthy yeah. number of British journalists now largely in part because of the success of Andy Murray in recent years more and more of the British journalists have I mean I even noticed when when Andy Murray wasn't at the French there were there weren't as many because a lot of people have been out there following him but the British players do have a healthy number of people following them and then you come here to Wimbledon and there is more pressure and then you look at the draw yes okay Serena Williams would have been next but Barbora Stritzer at 33 who'd said that maybe she's going to retire this year maybe she's going to retire next year this was this was a great opportunity i mean it's it's amazing how people do cope with pressure whether whether you're a tennis player or not but i just think to if the way to get over it is to keep starting in keep building yourself up that in itself is exhausting it is and you have to try and deal with it better than you did the last that's the only way you learn it's the same with everything right that's practice put yourself in the situation that's challenging get it wrong come back the next time put yourself in the same situation do better trouble is is that when you kind of look at what happened in paris and then what happened here she may be 
didn't even deal with it as well as she did it in Paris. It was maybe even more of an opportunity, as we mentioned, with Stritzova. So, look, there's a lot that she's going to need to think about and regroup, but we know exactly what she's going to do. She's going to go back into the process, back into her comfort zones. She's going to go through all of those motions and she's going to do it to the best of her abilities. And I have no doubt that she'll be back in this position again and hopefully she will deal with it better. Um, but it, it's just, as I say, like how many times does it take? I mean, look at Andy Murray with the finals of slams before he finally won one and he got Lendl on board who had done the same thing there are barriers all the time and to get over them you've just got to keep knocking on the door try and get closer and closer and closer um, and as I say if she keeps putting herself in quarterfinals semi-finals then surely she will be able to make the breakthrough to a final at some point maybe she won't she may not be able to do that there are plenty of as we talked about last week you never know when your peak is going to be maybe semis was all she was ever going to achieve maybe she'll never be back there again but I think that there's a very strong chance that she will who's going to win the whole thing whole thing Serena it's looking like that now really is looking like that I mean she's getting better and better isn't she again I wasn't on this match but you were watching it what were you doing today (laughs) two other matches on what's going on I had two very interesting and exciting matches on my court I was on court one you saw Simona Halep turn a potentially tricky situation around yes and Alina Svitolina Gail Monfils in her box reach her first Grand Slam semi-final. Yeah, I know. Amazing, really. Seems like a long time coming, doesn't it? She's been number three in the world, knocking on the door a lot, lots of quarterfinals. But she really has been one of those players that's underperformed at Grand Slams. I think the pressure's just got a bit too much for her. Um, and also, she can just kind of get knocked off the court by a lot of pace. And players tend to be inspired in Grand Slams and just kind of go out and tee off. And, and she can't really do anything about it. But that's not happened in this Grand Slam. I mean, actually... When you look at her results, she was very lucky. She was playing against Gasparian. She was a set down, but 6-5 up in the second. It was very tight, and Gasparian had to pull out with an injury. Then in the previous round, so in the last 16, she played against Petra Martic, who tweaked her groin, which was already an injury before she started, so she couldn't load on the outside leg. And then Mukhova was really struggling with her leg. Now, I'm not taking anything away. Well, I kind of am taking something away from Smith. A little bit. <laughs> Three of her matches, she's been playing people who are injured, and it's not to say she hasn't played well but it's just that maybe if she was playing fully fit players she may not have been in this situation but again you keep putting yourself in the situation the doors will open Chanda Rubin said something great she was co-commentator on the Serena Williams match and she said Serena Williams has gone for the business bun because Mm. she had a little bit of the top bit of the hair up and then hair sort of lots of hair sort of outwards it was going and then, it, and as it got deeper into the third set, she kind of put it into a messy bun. And then three games from the end, sat down. It was all pulled back. There was not a hair out of place. And Chanda just pointed out of the commentary box window. And she said, that is the business bun. <laughs> <laughs> and, She's going to get it done now. And, did she, did she, and she did. Game? She, no, she was, she was amazing. Once she had the business bun in, it was... And I noticed that when she came out to play mixed doubles with Andy Murray that might still be going on now she had the business bun back in yeah but that's it it just got did you have a hairstyle did you I I didn't want (laughs) I didn't want a hair out of place but nobody told me about hairspray so I just had like a million clips in my hair did you just clip it just loads of little clips just trying to keep it all down I didn't if a hair was flapping around in the wind I like I literally like couldn't hit a forehand a headband or a visor or something I did a headband for a bit no no visor no visor but I had to have it all stuck down but as I say if I had learned about hairspray hairspray wouldn't have worked hairspray's Mm. not that good 
You need what um, Milos Raonic used to use on his hair. Ooh. I, I don't know what it's like cement or something. Yes. You need, <laughs> you, you it need is like solid. Never, but it, it moves a little bit more these days. Seems to have relaxed a little, but it, it didn't move at all. That's yeah. no hairspray wouldn't work. Hairspray it still flies around. Does it? Yeah. Oh, I thought that's what kind of gymnasts and people use. They just slick it back. But what I think what does Sakari use? Now that is a bun. I, no, I think it's she's just got a very good technique of of twirling it all up and sticking it in a bun. I don't think there's product there. I think that's just good bun technique. Right. Maybe I should just work on my bun technique. I think, well, do you need that for commentary now? Or do you still get a bit of hair out of place problems? <laughs> no. I, I'm all right in the commentary box. But when I'm playing, I, even now, I, I just... I actually... When I play club tennis, which I do occasionally now, I actually had to try and wean myself off it because I was so unprofessional, because I wasn't professional anymore, that I would turn up and I didn't have grips or, or the right shoes and socks and, and all sorts. But I never, ever had hair slides or hair clips. So I had to kind of tell myself, like, you can play with your hair just a little bit. It was still tied back, oh, but you? I had to really be like, it's fine. It's, and I had to spend the whole match just saying, it's fine. It's fine. I can feel it moving, but it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Are you, have you got a business bun for your wedding? It's not the look I'm going for. <laughs> not going for business bun? <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> going for more relaxed. It's a relaxed day. But, um, yeah, I mean, Serena was... Serena was Serena. She's getting better round on round. She said she needed matches before coming in. It's it was obviously nonsense. We knew she wasn't going to play. Uh, I thought she may have played an exhibition event, but not even that. She just warms up as she goes. We've seen her do this before. You know, come into a slam, barely playing, starts off a little bit rusty, and by the end, ah, she's Serena. Now, something I want to talk about is age eligibility. Oh, oh. now you, on you've got some views on this. Now, this is because of Coco Goff, Corrie Goff, goes by the nickname Coco, 15 years of age. Now, due to her age, she is limited to the amount of tournaments she can play. There are those that say that is a good thing because she's a child, she's 15. There are those that say, well, hang on a second, if she's old enough to be here to get sponsorship deals and effectively to be the breadwinner, then she should just be able to play as much as she likes. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting conversation, hasn't it? I am actually really pleased that the spotlight is on the age eligibility rule because, I mean, it's it's mainly on Coco, but, <laughs> but the age eligibility was just kind of sneaking in the side, getting a little bit of a shine, um, because I think it's one of the best rules that WTO have put in place. It uh, was really innovative when they did it. They did it a long time ago. Many, many players have had to live through it, including the likes of Maria Sharapova. So if people think it's going to change for Corey Goff, they got another thing coming. It didn't change for Sharapova. <laughs> it ain't changing for her. And actually, it highlights even more why the rule is actually... And you're pro the place. rule, right? I'm massively. I, I honestly do not see any negatives towards it at all and I know that some people say well there's pros and cons honestly I, I could not give you a con to the rule it is such a, a helpful rule and it is something that really it needed to be in place if you remember when they bought the rule in place we had a horrible time with the WTA the girls were very young they, and they were girls not women really 14-15 was quite normal you're thinking of Capriati just to name one but she there was were 13 many. in the semi-finals of a grand slam yeah but exactly right and, and look what happened in terms of it did not end well it, you know not necessarily all of the most wonderful experiences for Capriati and look you've got to protect the players protect protect the young players particularly because it is really hard when 
ultimately you can earn millions of pounds you know what is that going to do to parents and coaches and now I understand that you can argue that look Corey Goff's parents seem pretty switched on I mean, we don't know we people are saying that but I don't know explain that. the rules so for people thinking well, what is the current what, what's the rule what right so the, the age eligibility rule basically just says you're only allowed to play a certain amount of tournaments at a certain age if you're under 18 you are restricted on tournaments it happened to me it's happened to everybody who is young in terms of the professional tournaments so for Corey Goff at 15 years old she is allowed to play 10 professional events plus she could also add on Fed Cup and the year-end champs which are now in Shenzhen if That's that was an addition extra. to yeah. her so okay. you could technically play 12 maximum right but 10 professional tournaments that's WTA that's Grand Slams whether you get wild cards or you don't technically it's point scoring events so if you are a young player starting out on your journey and you lose in the qualifying for $15,000 event you don't win any points that doesn't count as one of your ones it that doesn't count at all it's 10 point scoring events so she's allowed to play 5 more basically and everybody's saying why let her go let her go and play but no there is there's so much to this maybe she's ready to handle matches on center court maybe she's ready to play at a top 50 level but is she ready to travel 11 months of the year to leave her friends behind to have her school suffer you know is she ready for what the strain on her body physically being permanently jet lagged is a big part of it physically being able to recover physically standing up to these sorts of players i watched her play in the mixed doubles she was trying to return robert linstead's serve i mean she really looked like a child then the pace that was coming through at her she just couldn't cope with it and it is, it's all there for protection. And I would love to say that, look, great, Corey Goff's parents seem absolutely fantastic. Her team seem fantastic. And I'm sure they won't uh, abuse the situation or make her do too much or anything. Like, I'm sure they're totally on top of it. But for every one of those, there are five that aren't and five kids that either get ruined or, get, or suffer because of it. And the biggest thing is the physicality. How many players are injured significantly injured as teenagers no matter how good they are and they get ruined think of Anna Konyu where's she been for the past year she's had endless surgeries really tough for her to get back Cece Bellis Cece Bellis as well and Bianca Andreescu now if you take a little snapshot sorry I'm off on my rant but uh, I was ready for this no I'm just letting you go I'm just letting you go no but this is something I'm really passionate about I've spent a lot of time working with Kathy Martin who works at the WTA and she was crucial in implementing this rule as I say I went through it myself I of course was not of the level of Corey Goff but I still was limited on tournaments I have seen what can happen for me I would genuinely extend the rule up to 20 20 years old now you can't do that because you're an adult 18 so you can't you shouldn't well, really be able why, to why, why 20 I, I, I get it where it is now and possibly up to 18 but 20 seems because there are still 19 year olds just getting things really really wrong but and you teams can get things wrong at better. 21 you can get things wrong at 31 yeah absolutely but but the thing is is that when you get things wrong at 18 19 you're still growing and developing physically and the damage is much more long term than if you were to do the same damage if you get a stress fracture at 16 it's a lot worse than if you get a stress fracture at 25. You are still growing and developing and your body will grow in a different way because of your stress fracture. Um, and that is what is so crucial. And if we take... So I've got this little microcosm of examples with the Canadian players. Canadian youngsters doing amazing stuff, okay? So we've got Auger Aliassime, Shapovalov and Bianca Andreescu. Now, the men don't have this rule. You can do what you want. You can play, you know... 
30 ATP events at the age of 14. It makes no difference. They don't have any sort of age eligibility rule at all. This is just a WTA thing. And that's because of different history and that sort of thing. But if we look at those three players and we pick out Felix Auger, Eliasim and his team, they've actually been implementing their own age eligibility rule. They've just been making it up themselves, but they've been making very smart, very educated decisions. So he had played one main draw Grand Slam match until this Wimbledon purely because he wasn't ready wasn't ready to play five sets he was 18 or 17 last year the first time he got into the qualifying of the Australian Open his first ever Grand Slam qualifying they didn't go because he needed two more weeks of strength training uh, from his off season before the Australian Open so he did that and played some challenges in the States instead you know they are making incredibly smart decisions and it would be fantastic if all teams could do that but then if you look at Shapovalov massively is overplayed at the age of 17 and 18 and he's now pretty all over the place okay he's not struggling with big injuries but we know he overplayed he stopped for fatigue uh, at the end of last year he's making decisions based on that and at that age fatigue already at the end of a season that is very concerning and for me that means that there are decisions that could be a little bit smarter then you've also got Bianca Andreescu. She wins Indian Wells, playing phenomenally well, but we all could see that her arm was really struggling by the end of it. She's never played that level before. She then goes to Miami, they're riding the wave, and she plays. And how anyone could allow her to play in that situation, 19 years old, with a very injured arm. She got taped up, and off she went. And she should have been, she, for me, she should have been stopped. And that is what a team is for. The dynamic you want in a team is the player desperate to do stuff, like Felix chomping at the bit, let me go, let me play. And the team saying, no, no, not yet. Don't worry, you will. Don't worry, you'll do it. We'll get there, but just not yet. And you want the player to be, of course the player wants to play. Of course Bianca is going to say, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's fine. It just hurts a little bit. But she went and she played Miami. She played lots of big, long matches there. She had full body cramp and this and that. It would be very hard after winning Indian Wells, a premier mandatory tournament, an enormous tournament, then to hold her back, wouldn't it? Then to say to... I know it probably was the right thing to do, but she's come off the back of winning Indian Wells. Can you imagine having to say to her, no, you, you're not going to play this. It's better if you don't play this. It just... It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. But look at the consequences. She hasn't played... Well, she has played since. She played actually in Roland Garros, didn't she? But she came back too soon. Again, how is she being allowed to do that? She clearly wasn't ready. And she, but she really wanted to play, so she came and she played. And, and again, it was a disaster. She's probably put her recovery back even longer now on, on her shoulder. And, and I'm sorry, like, she's 19. And I, as I say, I would love that every team is as educated and as brilliant as Felix Auger Eliasim's team is. And there are plenty of examples where they are doing fantastic jobs. And look, there's more than one way to do things. I totally understand that. But there are so many examples of players that have got carried away, ride the momentum, and you really, really get ruined. It, it's so easy to do. I did it. Like, it's so easy to do. I mean, my very first year being a professional, I didn't get more than one week off because I kept doing wells. Were you asking for time off? Yes. I was asking to have a week off and I kept doing well. And what's the well. reasoning for not giving you a week off? Use the momentum. You're playing really well. Why would you stop now? And actually, when you're playing well, that is the time to stop and bank the work that you've done. It, it requires, don't get me wrong, it requires such restraint from the team, from the coaches, from the parents. It requires control. And also, it requires probably your player getting in a huff with you and screaming and kicking and getting very annoyed because if they're that driven which all of these players I'm talking about are they're going to want to get their own way and you need to have 
you know the more of a talent you are the more you've got to protect it but then surely the, the worry and I'm just playing devil's advocate here that you have you have a coach or even a federation that is saying no Felix you mustn't go we're not going to let you not going to let you that they just leave you mm. so you, you have this amazing talent and you know Felix Ogelizim is a future world number one. That kid is incredible in, in every area. You say no, 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 which is the right thing to do. And his other team, whether it be family or whatever, say, OK, we're not going to go with you because that's not what right for our client, our man, woman, etc. So there's the danger on that side. And then this coach has left this thing. I was doing the right thing. But now I'm at home watching on TV as Felix Ogelizim is getting to the semi-finals of a Masters event. And I get that. And I look, I've been in similar situations myself in terms of knowing something that is right for a player and knowing that it might end that relationship because they don't want to hear it. But unfortunately, if you stop telling them the truth to protect your own job, you've suddenly become very selfish, particularly if you're dealing with an under 18, a child. They deserve to hear the truth from you. And, all, and you've, got to have, you've got to try and have them a mentality that they will realise at some point. If they leave, if the parents and the kid, they up and they go and they say, nah, we're not doing it. She needs to get to number one in the world in juniors when you're saying she shouldn't be playing that much or whatever it is the situation is you've got to have the confidence as a coach to know that they will probably end up coming back because they will get to the point where they realize that you were right and they will will turn things around what you know what's the situation that Andreescu's in right now what about Shapovalov what about Konyu there are so many examples of these players you know and and they've got to be looking at the advice that they were given and they you know there's this they've got to be some realization there you know, could, it's it's not just bad luck. Could there be an argument for it being done on a case-by-case basis? So I, I don't even know how you would sort that out. But as you've said, that Felix Ogelizim seems to have a very good, strong and sensible team around him. So yes, and maybe in Coco Goff's case, her, her parents seem grounded they seem with her she uses the facilities at the Moritoglu Academy she's now managed by Roger Federer's agent she's got three endorsement deals but could it not be maybe done on a case-by-case basis they look at someone they look at the people around him and say okay well maybe you can play a few more tournaments or do you think it just has to be a strict as it is 10 tournaments that is it but why would you bend the rule for somebody so say you look at Coco Goff what would be the reason for saying okay you can play some more tournaments because there are different cases there are people who develop earlier there are people who've just gone about it a little better there are people who mentally seem ready to be able to take it who have people around them that can guide them I mean as you said every case every case is every case is very very different there there are young people who come through play tournaments won't get injured and go on and have a career we're just not talking about them we're talking about the ones that have maybe stuttered a little bit and are being held back but there are those that could take I'm not saying let them have free reign but maybe have a I don't know a sliding scale of maybe she can play 15 or 20 tournaments and this person 10 or but again there, there's so many things that are untested so yes we know that Coco Goff is ready to play top 100 level tennis do we know whether she's able to do that week in week out for 26 tournaments a year we have no idea whether her body's ready for that or not do we know how our body's going to hold up after these couple of weeks we have no idea do is she ready for top 10 level tennis we have no idea she hasn't played against that yet we don't we don't know any of those things and on top of that what about traveling 11 months of the year what about being permanently jet-lagged what about strange relationships with friends at home you know what about all of those things there aren't any other 15 year olds out on tour for her to be buddies with there just isn't so you know what about that an entire lifestyle change we don't know the answers like yes she may be ready to 
take that match on centre court that she was the few matches she played on centre court and she did phenomenally well my word is she an impressive young lady it's extraordinary to see what she can do but is she ready for life on tour I don't think so like, I mean, because no, I, I, I just I, I know how hard it is and on top of that yes I've picked out players that end up getting injured but even players who are older than than that have struggled to deal with the life look at a Nick Kyrgios look at a Bernard Tomic look at Naomi Osaka double Grand Slam champion and she is in all kinds of trouble at the moment trying to figure out who she is and what she's doing she has to try and deal with this this is really tough to deal with this level of success and she's struggling to do it Ostapenko after winning her French Open there is but would they, it's interesting if you ask them would they swap that so if you said to Yelena Ostapenko would you we take away your French Open title we take away your Roland Garros title and you have a more steady career for a few years like if you said to Naomi Osaka now you're in a bit of a pickle would you swap it it would be really interesting to hear her answer because off the back of that she's got two Grand Slam titles she's got millions it might not master millions in endorsement deals she is a global figure now would she swap that for what just for a bit more normality and maybe a slower rise a steadier rise so when she gets a situation where she's winning back-to-back Grand Slam titles that she can deal with it a little bit better and she's ready for the life-changing nature of what that does to you. And Yelena Ostapenko hasn't done anything since. Yes, yeah, she hit her partner on the head in mixed doubles. <laughs> and her opponent in and a her different opponent. match. <laughs> so she's, yeah. she's hitting everyone with a tennis ball. But she, she's not been able to get anywhere near where she got to at Roland Garros, which was her first to a title, which was a Grand Slam title. So would she... If you said to her, okay, we'll take that away, but what you're going to do is you're going to have this really steady time and you're going to win a few titles here and then you're going to build yourself up. I don't think she would... I don't think she would swap that title. Well, yeah, and I do think maybe that's a different situation. I probably shouldn't have raised that because as much as she's struggling, it's not because she's burnt out. She's she's struggling, for, I suppose, just to deal with the pressure and that sort of thing. But, you know, there has to be some sort of protection for youngsters. And as I say, as much as Corey's parents seem absolutely fantastic, we don't know what they are like we don't know what is going on and ultimately if you have children that are capable of earning millions of pounds that leaves it very very open to abuse and the WCA has experienced some very dark years with some really tough situations going on and it's been hard for them to step in now since the age eligibility rule has been in place and a lot of the education they've been doing around that sort of thing you've got to say that it's not there very much anymore it's very very rare but why take it away can I say I agree with you on all this by the way I, sure. I, I think there should be the rule I spoke to a few pros who were saying well no you know in our day we were out there at 13 14 15 and and if you're the breadwinner at this age if you can cope with it just just do it and they think it's it's crazy that there is a rule but I it's, it's not a very good comparison or example but as you know my boys are, are little they're kind of preschool age the twins and they went out with some friends I think they played crazy golf why would you give a four-year-old golf club is the first question <laughs> I ask because one came back with this kind of lump under his eye yep. from a golf club but then rather flukily on this mini crazy golf course he got two holes in one one of the boys wow yeah two yeah oh my god you've got you've got a prodigy well no th- <gasps> this is Let's exactly go, no this is exactly Lessons. one of the people one of the people there said to the lovely lady that helps out looks after our boys said um you've got to take golf lessons amazing two holes in one I was like hang on a second now he was probably swinging blindly <laughs> he got a club under his eye which he probably did himself 
he probably couldn't repeat it. I'm not saying future. He, if he wants to do it, great. But literally, there was there was a woman there saying he has to start golf lessons. He's four. It's not starting golf lessons at four. They play with a the ball. They do the bits and pieces. They do some sort of toddler bits and pieces. But this woman was literally. You could almost see sort of dollar signs, pound signs appearing in this woman's eye when he hit his second hole in one, which he was completely oblivious to. But it's but it's crazy, isn't it? Even at that age, people are saying, oh, right, so you've got a golfer. I haven't got a golfer, I've got a child. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a child. I mean, I hope they like sport. And they came to their first tennis tournament recently, and that was, that was awesome. One wanted to sit in the commentary box, the other one wanted to kind of sit in the stands. But, but to have someone sort of telling me, right, got a golfer what's the other one going to do and I'm like oh my word they are just children but it is you know it's it can be intense and and I'm talking about exceptionally young people here but even at 15 you know a Coco Goff her her press conference it was about Jaden Smith that's like Will Smith's son mm. is that right I think sending a message or something and, and Beyonce's mum sent a message or something these are amazing things for a 15 year old she has to be I think Sloane Stevens said this is great it's wonderful but she's 15 she has to be a child and she has to be a child because she is 15 and I know her life is probably different to any other 15 year olds in terms of the people around her what she's doing the money that's already starting to come in but she has to stay being a child because you have so many years to be a grown-up with ridiculous responsibilities. Yeah, exactly. And what I don't get is that the, the longevity of careers has just got longer. As in Barbara Stritz for at 33, making her first semi-final. Venus Williams still going, pushing 40. Serena Williams, like be it playing in your 30s across the board, men's and women's, is becoming more and more normal. Whereas when the age eligibility rule was brought in, People were retiring 28, 29, 30. Some people played longer, of course. Like, you know, I, I, I get that. But as in 30 was a very kind of normal and standard age to retire. Now it's kind of 35. So you've got even longer. She's got 20 years to play if she doesn't get injured and doesn't get burnt out. And so what, what's the hurry? What is the benefit of her going out and playing 20 tournaments between now and next year? Why can't she just play five and get better and rest and grow and fill out and get stronger and all of those things? I think there's absolutely no benefit for her playing more tournaments other than riding the wave of momentum. And we've seen that go wrong for Andreescu, Shapovalov. It had detrimental effect to me and my mental health massively, the fact that I just did not get enough rest in for my age. And there is just there is as I say for me there are literally no negatives in this situation I cannot agree to 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 one of them and with your point about being children it's something that I always talk about within British tennis and with the junior players is that everybody calls them players and it's very easy just to think of them play, as players and I always call them kids or children and people get quite annoyed at me about it sometimes because it's it's showing up um, you know those sorts of situations so for example my brother who's completely on board with it I mean he doesn't get annoyed at me about it at all but he's running the National Academy in Loughborough and he has kids age he'll have kids there age from 13 to 18 and when he's talking about 13 14 year olds you know he's talking about children and it's very easy to say, oh, well, this player, this, this player, that. And it's so easy to d detach yourself from the responsibility that you have of a child. And ultimately, this child is away from home and you are responsible for their talent, their well-being and so many different things. And, and he knows that. I mean, he's got me as a sister, so I bang on about well, it all the time. I've, so he's I've well aware. I finally met your brother. I know, yes. That happened yesterday, wasn't it? That was yesterday. Yes. That was nice. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? We look quite similar. 
Do you think so? No. <laughs> not <laughs> obviously not. No, you can tell your. He's very good looking. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can tell your brother and sister, right? But I, I wouldn't say it's like it was like. No, not you're not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I've always been told we look alike. He smiled a lot more. You were in sort of scowly mood when and I met him. Don't even. T- he's smiling more than me. Yes. Okay. When I met wow. him, he was like big grin, smiley, smiley. He's excited to meet you. And you were a bit frowny. Uh, you were a bit like well, Sven. Was... You were a bit sort of. I didn't want to go up and give you a hug. You were a bit sort of non-huggy. That's because he was you excited were doing... to meet you. Well, you could have been excited to see me. Well, I wasn't though. Why not? Because I work with you every day. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> I don't know what you Smile. want. Smile. Um, yeah, you're a bit scowly and I said to him, you've got to come on, on the podcast because you need to tell me what it was like having Naomi or having Naomi as, as, a, as a sister. And then he smiled even more <laughs> and you scowled a little bit more. And then I think I left at that point, didn't I? Yes, that was, that was it. You were off. But I'm sitting near him at the wedding. Yeah, I think so. At the, currently, unless you get demoted off of the top table. <laughs> <laughs> well, There's still a few days left. Moment, don't have anywhere to stay. Um, so when I sneak my recording equipment in and under the table, I'm sort of interviewing your brother for a, for a wedding day podcast. Yeah. I, I, I just want there to be a little element of doubt in your mind on your wedding day as to whether I will actually do that. <laughs> I think you should. It would be able to walk around your wedding with a microphone. Why not? Everyone will love it. Drunk people. There are a lot of tennis fans. Drunk people say, "Yeah, well, we had no Kyle this week. We've got no one in front of us at all. They've actually all gone. (laughs) No crowd. Do you think that's a reflection on our podcast? There's there's no one here, and we should just say because we have to go because we have our team dinner tonight. Yeah. Do you want a lift? I would love a lift. I'll give you a lift there. Thanks, chauffeur. Uh, am I allowed to come to the dinner? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't up to um, me with the invitations. And, and this, if people were listening last week, Naomi slid off a hill. Um, it was the hill I didn't want to sit on. <laughs> Had grass I thought stains. it was too steep. And yet I didn't move and you just slid down it. It was a very funny moment, but I just, I don't, I still don't know how it happened or how I got myself into that situation. I, I, I've decided that my trousers were very shiny. They weren't. What do you mean you had shiny? Very slippery. You weren't wearing shiny trousers. Very smooth. You weren't wearing smooth, shiny trousers. <laughs> anyway, this when we came out to kind of the same area. I will take a photo. Um, Naomi says, should we sit on a bench? I was ready to go back on the slope. No, you weren't. I don't found it, even I found it, it very easy to sit on the slope and not slide down it. But you obviously, I thought women were good at multitasking. You can't sit on a slope and talk. Because <laughs> you just slide no, down. No, I was sliding and talking. That is also multitasking. <laughs> it's not going to go at me. Because you weren't meant to be sliding. No, it was, no, it just happened. It was a consequence. I don't know. I was, maybe I was just so enthusiastic about the pod that every time I was just talking i was i i, I i've got no defense wow if we'd been on the hill for the age eligibility chat you would have just slid and slid straight off it <laughs> oh. should we go for our meal yes let's let's and i'm gonna it, roll down the hill and is it happy birthday this week or is it next i, I when is our birthday because you've given me my mug but then i said a happy birthday this week and you said it's not when 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 are we a year old i don't know actually maybe next week it can't be next week because Wimbledon's over. There's too many birthdays. I'm not very good at remembering birthdays. Oh, and it not- was Ben's birthday today and I did remember. Did you remember? Yes. I didn't even remind you because you told me to remind you. I got him a card. But I'm the second worst person at birthdays <laughs> behind you. Was it from a petrol station again or a supermarket? Uh, no, it was, it, it was from a supermarket. Was it? It was on my way home last night. Was it? Yeah. My brother was staying with me and then we got off the, off the train and we thought... Did he remind you? Here. No, no, I remembered. I got it and I remembered to give it to him this morning. No, that, why would I buy him a present? Because it's his birthday? 
No. He bought me a mug. It wasn't even my it birthday. Even my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's had many gifts from me. I'm the gift. Come on, he's marrying me. And the next time, not we speak, because we're going to speak probably when we start recording this, but the next time we do a podcast, it'll be your last one as a single woman. Yes. Well, <laughs> sounds quite not dramatic. Technically single, but well, you know what I mean. An unmarried woman. Unmarried. Yes. Is that going to be a big moment? You're going to get emotional on me? Not really. Okay. Should we go for dinner? Let's. I'm very hungry. Okay. 